What's up, everybody, and welcome back to this week's edition of the Wing Addiction Podcast. I'm your host, Josh, as always, and my co-host is my lovely wife, Leslie. Hi, y'all. We need to just record that little 30-second snippet. That way we don't have to say it every time. Yeah, but the, but it's so authentic and raw every time. Oh, my God. <laughs> the hunting public is here today. Um, everybody loves the hunting public, guys. we got Zach Farnball with us today. Zach Farnball is – it's the this interview – or the, excuse me, this intro is recorded after we've done the interview. It's yeah. a super long podcast, like an hour and 20 minutes long. But I can promise you, you'll get a lot of uh, info out of it. Learn a lot about Zach, the hunting public guys, how they came came to be, what they do as you know, everyday their everyday life. Basically, just listen to it. Yeah, yeah, just listen to the podcast. You'll like it. This we pod- enjoyed it a lot. Yep, this podcast is brought to you by Onyx Hunt. Onyx Hunt, know where you stand uh, from the. Uh, the the burn layers to the crop layers to the tree harvest data the 3d imaging mm-hmm. it's all there check them out at onyxhunt.com if you don't have onyx hunt and you want to get it use our promo code wap wap20 <laughs> wap20 to get 20 percent off also dakota 283 kennels dakota 283 kennels is the best bang for your buck it's uh rotomoted kennels that we use we love um, go to it. Dakota. Literally have had zero problems. Had zero uh, anything. Yeah, zero happen. problems. I easy clean up when when dogs are throwing up and pooping. Yeah, they got drain. Ho- they got the drain hole for the spray. I mean, out. like it's just just get one. Yep. I mean, it is the best kennel for your money. Also, and their dine and dash, their feeding and watering system goes hand in hand. It's super compact. The dimensions compact. are the best. I yep. mean, we really did our research before we purchased our first uh, Dakota 283 kennel, and we had owned other kennels, and and that was long before they became a sponsor yep. of ours. So. so check them out at dakota283.com. Use our promo code WA10 to get 10% off of your order and patrons, which we'll talk about in just a second. You get an even uh, large, much larger discount than that, but check them out. Also, Uh, my favorite product is cable gangs. So it's tie out system. You need this product. It'll make your life so much easier. It's very affordable, durable. Once again, this is a product that we have put through the tests and it, 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 never had an issue yeah it's the best check them out at cable gangs and that's with a z c-a-b-l-e-g-a-n-g-z that's cablegangs.com with a z and use our promo code w-a drop that's w-a-d-r-o-p to get an extra drop so if you order a three dog system they'll send you an extra drop you can make it a four dog uh, if you tie it out on the end or you can just lead it use the extra drop as a lead so check them out at cablegangs.com and also, Sport Dog, sportdog.com. The Ooh, we l- have a giveaway to do. For we have dog. a giveaway. We're going to do that next podcast. We said we was going to do it this podcast, but we're going to do it next podcast for the simple fact is I don't want to just like hustle up and draw a name because we're not ready to draw a name this week. So, and that'll give everybody another week to. To become a patron yep. so that you can get the most entries into this giveaway. I mean, this is a big one. Yep, you're giving away a 425X. You can run your launchers. You can run your um, transmitter. Yeah, or your uh, receivers, collars. You can run it all off the one, one, one transmitter. So check them out at sportdog.com. That's sportdog.com. And um, who Anuk are we? Anuk Shuk. Oh, I started asking you who was forgetting. Duh. Anuk Shuk Dog Food. 
We love it. Everybody that's switching from the big box brand X going over to it says, "Why aren't we haven't we've been feeding this forever?" Um, Anuk Shook is uh, um, Anuk Shook dog food is fish based, and so uh, you don't have to worry about no uh, chicken byproducts or none of that. Um, it's great, great food. They make a thirty-two, thirty-two that we feed during season, and in the off season we go down to the thirty twenty-five. They also do a maintenance twenty-six sixteen, and if you're interested in ordering from Anukshuk, we can get it sent directly to your door by half pallets, by the pallets, whatever you want. And if you want to do that or become a wholesale dealer, we have got the best promo code of any podcast platform of any brand in the, in the world. It's WA100. That's $100 off. $100 off. Your first promo or your first wholesale order. So check them out at AnukshukPro.com. Go back a few episodes and check out their new marine formula. We just done a podcast on that. So without going and blabbing anymore, we're gonna to get to the hunting public. This is our favorite videos to watch. It's it's the best. And Zach, he there's never a dull moment with Zach. Yeah, no, he's a hoot. Yeah, he just he's like uh forgot ooh, what ooh, ooh, ooh. he's a hoot. Oh gosh. <laughs> I don't know if I consider that a hoot or not. I'm not going to say anything else. Hey, everybody, thanks for listening this week. Become a patron. If you want to become a patron to get in on the giveaway, it's patreon.com and then search Wing Addiction or patreon.com forward slash Wing Addiction. $5 a month gets you entered into the free drawing for the uh, 425X. Or you can give $10 a month, $20 a month, give you five entries. So go check that out at patreon.com. Everybody, without further ado, we're going to bring on Mr. Zach Farrenbaugh. <laughs> so today we got Zach Farnbaum from the Hunting Public. What's up, Zach? Oh, not much. We we're just having a great pre-recording conversation, and now we're <laughs> shuffling about <laughs> oh. talking about getting lost and how yeah. not to get lost, and editing yeah. and all kinds of crazy stuff. But um, so uh, you just got back from Ohio. Where are you? Where are you right now? I guess I, I didn't even know that. I live in Colorado. Um, oh, cool. So that's like, that's where I have a house that is like mine. I pay rent for at least, I guess. Mm-hmm. Right. Um, so we're at in Colorado. I promise I'm not going to stalk you. It's no, it's all good. Right now, right now we live in Denver. So there's a backstory to this. And if you're interested in it, I'll yeah. absolutely, absolutely tell you. So when I was like, oh, uh, I think I think I was a freshman in high school. I guess it's kind of irrelevant, but it was you know it was a long, a fairly long time ago. My aunt and uncle moved out here, and I remember coming out here for the first time and seeing the mountains and seeing the snow and um, the sunshine and everything. And I was like, man, like Colorado is pretty sweet. And then year after year until now, I would come out here. I guess most years. Sure, there were some years we did other stuff, but like we kind of made a vacation out of it every year. And I remember, you know, then eventually seeing mule deer and elk and um, moose and everything. And it's like, man, I got to get out there at some point. And I actually then went through Wyoming at one point and I was like, man, I also have to live here. So that's still on the list. (laughs) But um, I ended up then through my aunt and uncle meeting my girlfriend, she became a family friend and I guess I met her in 2014 and then we started dating in 20, 
2017, right? Honestly, right before we started THP. Um, so I've been dating her throughout the entire entirety of THP. And um, those first couple of years were, were weird because we were trying to start a business and she lived in Denver and works in Denver. Right at that, right at the same time, I guess she started a new job, which she still has at uh, an elementary school as an SLP. So she teaches; she's a speech teacher in an elementary school, and um, it was pretty weird because we were always going, you know, back and forth, visiting each other, flying out, and um, then I guess in 2019, I kind of made the commitment of like, okay, when it's not off season, I'm going to really put a lot of time into coming out here and try to kind of transition into a residency here. Um, so I was like bumming in my aunt and uncle's basement um, for a while and she still had a different place. And then just this past summer, we got a place together. and It's really cool. I really love it. I mean, just, I don't necessarily love, <laughs> I personally don't love Denver from the standpoint of just living in a city, but it's kind of like a meet in the middle because her job is here. My job is like everything, but being in a city, you know, really. Mm-hmm. So I kind of get the best of both worlds and it's kind of fun to experience different stuff and kind of get out of my comfort zone a little bit. But, um, you know, I've got family here. My parents actually just moved to Colorado. So, um, I've got family here. She's got family here cool place to be i can get an elk tag for 50 safe it's not hard to get out of the city either though i mean like it really doesn't take you long to get away to like some remote areas yeah i mean i can be in wyoming in two hours yeah yeah and i can be in areas that i like to hunt and you know the whitetail side of things like pretty quick too and then to be completely honest for me even driving back and forth to ohio like 18 20 hours somewhere in there Mm -hmm. it's really not that bad i know it may sound crazy to some but for me it's like colorado's just right in in, in front range right now for 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 us right now it works great i think at some point we'll do something different um but for right now it's working working great i can get to an airport quick honestly which oh yeah yeah Yeah, and another thing about living in denver is i was just there picking up our daughter i don't know a little while back at the airport about a year ago. Yeah. About a year ago. And the thing about living in Denver is yeah, it's a big city, but you can see, mm-hmm. say, I, I, Oh, look up there. I know there's elk on that mountain or, you know, it, you can see when it's not too you. smoggy. Yeah. When it's yeah. Smoggy. yeah. No kidding. Yeah. yeah. I, I flew in, I flew into Denver and told Leslie when I got there, I said, <clears throat> there must be some wildfires around here. She's like, it's not wildfires. It's Denver. She said, it's smog. <laughs> it is. It's like the first time I, I've driven across the country, like way too much. A bazillion it, times. Yeah. And uh, the first time I ever went out West was 2008. And, um, it's just crazy for me to think about now that I spent my whole life in this little tiny radius pretty much, you know, and then I crossed the Mississippi for the first time in 2008. It's just, and now I'm everywhere, you know, but, but I I went through Denver and I was so excited to see the Rockies and the smog was so bad. And I was like, there's no mountains here. What are you talking about? You know? And, uh, but then I eventually got to see him, obviously. And I loved going to concerts at Red Rocks. So like I lived in, uh, Warland, Wyoming, which Mm -hmm. is near Cody. I don't know if that helps. 
yeah. don't know if you know where those places are, but near the Bighorns. And uh, yeah. so really Denver wasn't that bad of a drive. So, yeah. so it was nothing to like just do the drive, catch a flight out of Denver. Cause it's always cheaper if you're going somewhere else or go down to Denver for a concert or whatever. Yeah. Um, so yeah, I've been to Denver quite a bit for different reasons, but I've never hunted Colorado ever. We'll stay out. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, there's not enough land in Colorado for anybody. Yeah. I'm totally kidding. So, I, it's, so, it's an awesome opportunity to hunt, you know, out West in general, I think. And mm-hmm. there's more to, there's more opportunity, I think, than, than is usually perceived, I suppose. Like mm-hmm. definitely opportunity to go hunting out here somewhere well, every year. And to me, like when I think back to before, again, before I lived out there, it seemed to me like such a big deal for somebody to go do a hunt out West, you know, and usually they got a guided hunt, right? Mm -hmm. So it was like guaranteed kill pretty much. Here you go, pull the trigger. And then you move, you know, I moved out there and I like start working on the public land and seeing what all this public land was about. And it just blew my mind. And I'll be honest with you, when I first moved out there, it took me about six months to make an adjustment to Mm -hmm. my way of thinking, because to me, I had been in the hills of Tennessee and, and, you know, in the Cherokee National Forest area my whole life. And there was no such thing as wide open spaces. Now Mm -hmm. you could get lost and the mountains are very intimidating. You know that you've been there. Um, But I went out West and I could see so far and I could see so far of what, of nothing, you know, and, and it kind of freaked me out. I was, I felt very vulnerable and because I thought if I break down or have a flat tire or what, and, and I, that has happened to me. I had a flat tire in one of the most remote areas of Oregon before um, and had to drive two and a half hours on the dummy tire going like 35 miles an hour just to get to a tire shop. But anyway, I digress. Um, it freaked me out, man. I was yeah. like, I don't know, man. I, I'm like having anxiety. Like, and then once I adjusted, I would come back home and the same thing would happen. Like I felt smothered. I felt like everybody yeah. was just like in my face and like uh-huh. too many sounds, too many lights, too many things, too many people. And so it's just, kind of crazy like that that I lived so much of my life not even knowing not thinking about public land I mean we have some here but nothing like you know I worked in a field office that uh, for the Bureau of Land Management our um, field office just our field office was two million acres of public land I mean that's crazy you know yeah the opportunity to be on public land and to just, yeah, experience like a, what feels like a truly remote setting is, yeah, pretty endless out here. It's pretty awesome. And, and I just, yeah, I mean, it's pretty great to just have a different experience. I feel really lucky that I'm able to do and, li- you know, just make the decision to come out here and do it. Cause you know, for a long time in my life, I guess I just thought I was just going to live in Western Ohio for forever, you know, and it's like crazy how much my, my mentality has evolved to where I'm like, well, I can live anywhere. Like, mm. you know, it's like, I want to move to Wyoming. Yeah. <laughs> right. So, so I want to, 
I want to talk about this public land thing here in just a few minutes. And you and I had talked back and forth on the phone a few weeks ago about it. But before we get too far into the podcast, I want to I want to talk to you about THP, how it evolved. And I mean, you got, you know, you, Ted, Jake and War. I mean, y'all are all from different parts of the country. I mean, how did you just all of a sudden four guys become best friends and just start eating, breathing, sleeping literally together about 150 to 100 days a year. <laughs> well, we we all kind of went through the same route into the hunting industry, and that was through Midwest Whitetail. So in, I think we go all the way back to like 2010. I think Greg was the only one of us that was not an intern at one point or another. Greg got a job at Midwest Whitetail um, as a producer, cameraman, um, and he started working full time there then. And then Aaron um, is actually calling me right now. <laughs> uh, who, who was that? It's that's Aaron. Oh, it's <laughs> yeah. I just said his name, and then it started calling. Um, and then, oh. Aaron was in 2011. He started working as an intern in 2011. And then he got hired on full time after that. In 2015, I started working as an intern at Midwest Whitetail and then started working there full time after that. So it was Aaron, Greg, and I um, from THP. And then there was like John Lewis is a friend of ours. He does Just Hunt Club now uh, on YouTube. And then Eric Barber who works um, for Vortex now, and then Luke Nissen, who still lives in Iowa, but does um, real estate stuff now. You know, all great friends of mine. Don't see them as much as I'd like to because we all live in different parts of the country now, but um, we all were working there full-time at Midwest Whitetail. And then in 2017, um, Jake and Brody were hired as interns at Midwest Whitetail. And that's how I met those guys. And then in 2017 was when we made the decision that we wanted to just do our own thing and be able to go to different places because we we're all living in Iowa. Um, we were kind of limited to that in Turkey season. We had started expanding and Aaron and I had been to like Mississippi, Arkansas, Missouri, um, where else did we go that year? Wyoming. Um, went to a handful of different states and traveled, and we we're like, man, this is this is really what we want to be doing. And whether we make any money at it or not, like that's what we want to do. And we kind of just went for it, I guess. And you know, had we not had that experience at Midwest Whitetail, we wouldn't have been able to do this nearly as easily. Like we obviously learned a lot there. Um, we also, um, were able to create some of our own stuff there, which, you know, very thankful for that opportunity forever. I mean, mm -hmm. if had we not done that, it, we wouldn't be where, where we are and had learned the skills that, um, we have to be able to start doing this. And then, yeah, it was really just this idea that if we go hunt a bunch of different areas on public land, then we're going to be able to relate to more people. And mm -hmm. we all kind of felt like that was, that was missing in the hunting industry. And we just wanted to do that. And, and it was, so, I don't know. 
I do. The timing is very interesting to me because when I look back, <laughs> I actually was reminded of this the other day. Um, Facebook, you know, we have this love hate relationship in terms of like share memories. It'll pop up and like say, you did this this many years ago. And like during that time frame that you said that you guys started um, the hunting public, there was a big ruckus about the government owning land and about public land and how land, you know, privatizing everything. And like, and so, and me living in Wyoming and working on public land at the time, it really, really bugged me the things that were going on. I mean, you had like the takeover at, at Malher and like you had all this Bundy stuff going on and just crazy things on public land. And, and, and I, I worried about what people thought in areas like East Tennessee, where they don't have those vast areas of public land. And, and I worried about people's opinions and, and politics and what might happen because it, you know, more often than not, ignorance tends to, to overrule, you know, reason. And so, um, I like at that time was posting every single day, a picture on Instagram and Facebook that I took myself on public land and would share that and then hashtag literally everything under the sun, you know, because I wanted everybody to take a minute and look like, and I mean, I get chills right now thinking about it because it was just such a passionate thing for me. And so when you guys, I don't know if that helped you in your development or if you guys just like your timing just was like impeccable, but what you've done and I know you have to realize this is brought an awareness too to people that I mm. think is really important. And so it's not just like, it's super awesome that you guys like are like following your passion and like made a bigger thing out of it, you know, and, but the, on a larger scale, the awareness that you've brought to people in terms of like what they can do on public land, I think is just amazing because yeah if people don't know that they don't protect and, and so it's, to me, that's the coolest thing. Like when I first um, became aware of your, of the hunting public and started watching your videos, that was the thing that really got me. I was like, this is so cool. Like, because more people need to be doing this. More people need to be utilizing our public lands because you know, I can't afford to own my own ranch with like thousands of acres where me and my buddies can run around and like kill right. animals and do whatever we want. But I can totally afford to go out on 2 million acres of land that my taxes are like managing yeah. and, and right. stuff and do all that. And so did that, what did, were those things occurring to you guys as well? Or yeah, it- one of the main reasons that we wanted to do it, like, in the first place was the pub, the public land aspect and what we felt like in so many ways, I guess was going to be the niche that we had was if we hunt on public land, here are the benefits for it, right? Number one is, is it's relatable. Number two is we're getting people excited about something. And when there's more people excited about something, yes, it can create crowded, areas or whatever but like at the very at least there's people that can stand up for it and that's kind of like what you're talking about is like our whole mission has always been to get more people excited about out the outdoors and public land because when there's more people in 
excited about it, there's more people that are willing to stick up for it. Now, mm-hmm. on the flip side, if, you know, all everybody that's hunters and are outdoorsmen in general, you know, hikers, climbers, uh, whatever, backpackers, like the list goes on and on of other outdoor activities that are, uh, that use public land. If we were all to just stop and just like go inside, well, then who would be there to stand up for mm-hmm. protecting wild places? And I think that that's always been like, goes hand in hand with just like being relatable and, um, you know, just raising awareness for it in mm-hmm. general. So we, we talk about, um, the hunting public and, you know, of course y'all are public land hunters and we know that, you know, everybody that's watched the videos knows that you all are just, um, just like everybody else. If you're on public land and there's a piece of private that's got birds on it, you, you're not too good to go knock on the door and say, Hey, mm-hmm. you know, would you let us access your, your, you know, your land? And a lot of people, uh, they get this, uh, I don't know what it's what I'm the word I'm trying to use, but they get this thing that I have no place to hunt, you know? And, yeah. and at the same time is, you know, if, if you, the only place you have to hunt is this little piece of public land. That's you know, maybe a thousand acres. Well, if you're turkey hunting and the birds is over on the, you know, the private land adjacent to it, I think a lot of people that watches your video has learned, Hey, all you can get is a no. All you can get is a no. Mm-hmm. Oh, yeah. I, I, I don't do it personally anymore at all. Like the knocking on the door, just, just because what I personally like is to get, you know, I just like to hunt on public land, like mm-hmm. exclusively, not to say that, oh, that it will be for forever. Like I would never say never, but like a lot of guys in our group do that. And a lot of my buddies from back home, they still have, you know, hunt a lot of private land. And when I was growing up, that's, that's all I had in Western Ohio. There is mm-hmm. not public land. Now mm-hmm. I traveled a lot to hunt. Mm-hmm. I mean, forever, every single weekend of my, you know, childhood, I guess me and my dad, when it was hunting season, we would travel to go hunt, but, um, to go find, to be, you know, by public land or more permission or whatever it was. But, um, I guess with that being said, it's like, I'm a firm believer in there's there's still plenty of opportunity on private land too. Like we make a lot of we make it make it like look really inviting to go hunt public land, but it's like mm-hmm. man, there's so many, like if you just ask, like you said, all you can, all anybody can say is no. And to be honest, if you just ask, in pretty much everywhere I've been in the country, you can still find places mm-hmm. that are like oh yeah, you could you could get permission on some mm-hmm. of this. Like yeah. You find those, you find those areas and you just got to be polite. You just got to understand. Yep. And I guess I feel really comfortable talking to strangers. So that's not really an issue to me. Yeah. No, yeah. <laughs> no, nobody would have ever known that Zach. Nobody would have <laughs> ever known. It's just like Leslie and I, I mean, I'll sit here and talk to this water bottle here if it'll listen. <laughs> but you know, as far as accessing public land, you know, there's a lot of times, especially out West, the way the BLM and everything's cut up, you've got, you know, there's this big fight right now going on of corner crossing. You know how you'll have public, private, and then right. public, they won't let you just cross their, you know, that little beast corner. And, you know, it, even if you're like hunting public land and the birds are on another piece of public land that's not attached, asking for permission just to cross their land 20, 30 yards, you know, to access other public land. Uh, I mean, it, it's it, it's awesome the awareness y'all are bringing to people on, you know, what, what possibilities are on public land and, 
you know, it's, it's out there for everybody to use. It's our, it's our land. You know, it's not the government's land. It's not, it's our land. You know, we pay for the upkeep and everything on it. So, you know, I, I don't like hearing people say, I just don't hunt no more because I have no land. I mean, I just, there's so many possibilities. I think that's a lot of times that's the people that, that are used to uh, going out, climbing up in a box blind that's heated and, and, and shooting their butt. Well, they lost their lease. Well, I don't hunt no more because I don't have no land. You do have land. Well, and I watch think the hunting, watch the hunting public boys. They'll show you how to crawl in the thicket on your knees and shoot a deer with a bow. He drags me through the craziest places. Cause we have to get creative here. And I literally, so this morning I was hunting coyotes, but uh, on the way back, I was talking to our friend and, talking about he was like oh my dad and his dad used to hunt turkey over here in this i don't know why it's straight up and straight down i was like well it must run in the family because josh drags me through like the worst stuff ever but we have to do that sometimes in order to get to like one because public land we've got a lot of tva like shoreline and stuff that you can hunt and so you got to go where you can get you know and uh, yeah, when you've got when you got a lot of public land here, it's it's a small scale out west. Basically, you know how the TVA land the, and the Corps of Engineers they on the flood line, and a lot of times you got to walk the face of a bluff just to get around somebody's private. Or we have to take the boat out and get to it by boat or whatever. But but mm-hmm. that's awesome, and the awareness y'all brought brought to public land, I think, is the biggest the and biggest thing. That I have to say away. too, the so I. I'm not trying to hate on anybody when I say this. I I have to put that out there first because I'd probably do it too. I don't know, but I know where she's fixing. I I have this like dislike of glamour hunting, like, because I'll never be that person. So like (laughs) when I'm out there hunting, like I am a hot mess, like from not just when it's done before it even starts. Like, Uh I mean, like I'm a hot mess from the time I get up until I go to bed and I'm, that's just who I am. And I don't care, but, but in my, as a woman, like I get to see these images of like these blonde hair flowing in the wind and, you know, just like in my, perfectly matched suit (laughs) where I'm about to kill the biggest animal I've ever seen, you know, (laughs) on a mountaintop. And it just drives me crazy because (laughs) I'm like, I could never do that. That's not me. I don't think there's a member of the hunting public that's got one piece of camo that's the same color. (laughs) So I loved it. When we first started watching, I was like, I love this. I can get into this because like, we got mixed patterns going on here. We yeah, got dude over here, like making his own turkey vests. Like we got, <laughs> you know, like this guy, like spending 200 bucks on his gun and nobody cares, you know, yeah. because like, it's not glamorous really, you know, it's right. And I mean, everybody has a different situation at the end of the day. Like, you can't really compare two hunting situations because they no. just look exactly the same. And, you know, it is weird how you can look at social media and stuff and you can get this image in your head of like what normal is, but what normal is, isn't necessarily what is portrayed on social media. Right. So it's like, I see what you're saying all the time where we laugh at, you know, some individual pages. Sometimes there's just like, how is that even like slightly relatable? Like, <laughs> I like, know. That look. like that, that is, even just that look where it's like, <laughs> I mean, I don't have, I mean, yeah, I guess I could go out of my way to like put like, the extra effort in, but it's like, I mean, 
oh, I haven't shaved my face and it looks like complete crap for, you know, 14 days straight. Well, and oh, everybody well, around life, you smells time. like ass. <laughs> <laughs> oh, yeah. I mean, you can't even imagine the smells that come out of, you know, a vehicle or whatever. My, my, we got a pretty, I got a pretty funny quick story that kind of plays along with the smells. So <laughs> my, my buddy Keith um, is one of my best friends. We were, we were hunting together in South Dakota this year for deer and he was kind of on like a time schedule and we had a bunch of time, but then it's like, it started to run out and we kind of like did this whole deal where we didn't really plan. We were hoping to shoot a buck. So we were like hoping that would be the last day of the hunt and it just didn't really play out. So all of a sudden we had to like scramble to get him a flight and Jake and I, ended up we ended up getting a buck like the day after keith and roy left but roy was driving back to north carolina from south dakota and on the way we were like you could just drop keith off at the um airport in omaha so they take off and like ends up that they're running kind of late already and then they like stopped to get gas and they went inside and next thing you know you know that tax on another 20 minutes and they're like wait like we're gonna run out of time Keith got there to the airport six minutes before the flight was supposed to take off, (laughs) flew through security, had to take his boots off, hadn't showered in like, I think darn near two weeks. And so (laughs) they had to take his boots off and stuff in the airport. And then the plane, and then they had to hold the plane for him. They held the plane. He's the last guy to get on scrambling. And he's like, dude, can you imagine being on that plane sitting there thinking like, why are we not taking off yet? Like, you know what, what's going on and then here comes this dude that hasn't showered in two weeks just coming <laughs> crashing down the aisle like i made it you know it's just like it's such a funny funny perspective but like on the flip side it's like yeah I, I guess for me what's very not relatable is having time to put my makeup on or something before the yeah. hunt you know it's like i just i just yeah but Again, everybody's hunting situation is a little different, but I totally can relate to what you're saying is like, it's not, it's definitely not beauty out there. I mean, heck I wear, yeah, all kinds of ripped up stuff and you know, it's like, it's not to that. I'm not trying to look cool. I'm just trying to be hidden out there. Yeah. You know, you've had face paint on for 10 days. (laughs) It's just like, right. Weird times. Yeah. It's, um, it's funny you see a, an image of uh, of somebody elk hunting, uh, quartering in an elk, and they talk about they killed this thing at eight thousand feet elevation, and they, you know, they've been on a hike for three days, and they've not got a bead of sweat on them or anything. You think? <laughs> well, I watched one video. Oh, God, I think I can't remember if you were watching it with me or not, but it was like in Alaska, and it was very like remote, and it was crazy, and you know all these crazy things were happening and then they accidentally like left they like panned over and like there was like a side by side that you know was like driving it was it me and you yes, watching that, it? That, yeah, and it was they, like i think you, it was yeah, you because you went hey look look over there there's a side by side back there and i was like man yeah, yeah. i already thought they were walking I know exactly around who through it is, all but this I'm not yeah say, don't call them yeah, out I know who it is. how they were gonna have to pack this thing because out they had again 
I will take a ride anytime I can get one. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. And the camera. And I, I will look they- nice anytime I can. I will smell nice I anytime I can. I don't, <laughs> I don't know why they didn't edit that out because it was actually, they just talked about how far they had to hike in and how far they were going to have to hike out and pack all this stuff. And it was showing them putting it on their frames and the camera just kind of, somebody bumped the camera and to the side, there was an Argo sitting there or a side by side. And I'm thinking, why did you not edit I that I think out? we even like re- like backed up the video and, what, and we were like, oh, <laughs> yeah, man. Hilarious. But yeah. that that is, but yes, the 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 staying true to who you are is what I like about you guys. You haven't, in air quotes, let Hollywood get to you. You know all the 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 downloads. I mean, basically today's you know modern area. That's what that's what everybody's uh, judged on. The relatable. downloads and the. Right. Other than the like killing factor, because you're way better hunters than I am. (laughs) But like, other than that, like it's relatable, you know, like, I mean, even from like watching you guys, like what you're eating and stuff while you're out there. I mean, like we literally just all lived off of like giant log of bologna in Kansas for like a week, you know, and you just, you know, you do it. It's not about for us. It's not. I don't know. We just we're focused on like the hunt and yeah. that's pretty much it. So, and I, and I know what you're all about, what you're talking about on the smell factor there, Zach, I've got a 15 year old son that plays baseball and every evening from baseball practice, he comes uh, home and takes his cleats off and sticks his feet up on the dash of the truck. It's just wrong. I'm like, son, get those things off the dash. <laughs> <It's wrong. laughs> so, so, so I know all about those nasty feet and they can, oh, they yeah. can get funky. Um, so, Okay, we the hunting public basically the Midwest whitetails brought them together. They split up and done their own thing. They're they're really um, advocating for public land, which is I think that's our basically our last frontier. The hunter's last frontier is the public lands, you know. Mm-hmm. And then you've got the government trying to do some stuff in certain areas, try to privatize the land. But um, very very thankful. And anybody that watches y'all's videos, you watch two or three of them, and you know right off the bat it's public land. So. We got that out of the way. I want to ask you, I know the answer to this. What is your favorite turkey or deer? Uh, it's that's so well, you forgot elk <laughs> or pronghorn. Yeah. yeah, that is true. That is true. Uh, Go ahead. Tell me what's your favorite animal to hunt. I don't know really. Cause it's, it's, they're all so different. They all bring these unique challenges. And it's not to say that like, you know, I, I've thought about this question so many times and I really can never come up with a solid answer other than I truly value every experience in the woods to the point that I don't really see one above the other. And there's definitely certain times where, you know, everything's great. The weather's good. Action's happening and it's, it's more fun than maybe another time in a different season that, you know, those factors aren't kind of going in your direct, in your favor. But like at the end of the day, I just use all those experiences so much and they cross over so much where something I learned turkey hunting I might use find myself using elk hunting or oh, yeah. even crazier is like pronghorn hunting. Like yeah. I've started doing that in the last couple of years. I'm really into that. I've learned so much from pronghorn hunting and just transferred that right into other forms of hunting that it's, it's like just it's just woodsmanship in general. Yeah. So 
So what about taste factor then? I mean, again, it's kind of one of those deals like I do love it all for so many different reasons. I mean, the one obvious benefit with elk is just the dent, you know, just the amount. It's like you can live off that for a while. Um, but I also really, really love um, just experimenting with all different types of wild game. Like my, my girlfriend and I just recently – well, she's been doing it for a while, but we just both started tracking macros, which I don't know if you guys have any, yeah. um, have like any, uh, like, like, you know how that works at all, but basically you're like, you have you're to like get so much to, protein. Yeah. I'm trying to track your protein and your fat and carbs. And the easiest way to track is like cook everything that you do. And like the amount of protein that I was that I'm eating now that I wasn't eating before is just crazy. So like, we're just constantly like, we're going through it way faster now like mm-hmm. way because we always eat it. But like the fact that we're cooking dinner every night and then making that like the base, it's like you go through it every year, like where you run out and you need more. But like mm-hmm. now it's just hilarious to see how like every night we've just got like put meat out to thaw out and it's just like constantly Mm -hmm. so Mm -hmm. we experiment with all of it we make tons of different stuff um i mean have been for years but now we're really getting crazy and just trying all different type of stuff and i love pronghorn gets a bad rep sometimes tastes great elk is just very different than whitetail um i have not had a chance to eat like a full mule deer yet but i'm sure at some point i will um but like just, just to kind of compare and see what tastes better with different mm-hmm. recipes and stuff. It's like, just love it all. And at the end of the day, wild turkey, man. Give me a turkey leg from a crock. I tell, I turkey. We love turkey so much. Like when we kill one, we eat it immediately, no, and there's never, nothing it left. Never, it never like, goes to the freezer. We, freezer. No. we like someone. My friend who does not hunt and knows nothing about hunting, and she lives in Atlanta. She called me around Thanksgiving and she was like, do you have any turkey in the freezer? And I was like, no, why would I have turkey (laughs) in the freezer? She was like, well, you guys kill them, don't you? And I was like, yeah. And then we like eat it immediately. She's like, well, there's a turkey shortage. And I was like, listen, I was like, butterball is a completely different thing. Okay. (laughs) Yeah, it it is is completely different thing. But uh, in terms of pronghorn, so I always heard that too. When I first moved out west, I heard, oh, they're nasty. They taste like sage. They're this, they're that. You can't kill them while they're running or or this happens. And then you have to like do all this special stuff, which, which I will agree that getting all the hair off and like if you cut it, if you skin it as soon as you can and put it on ice, it's better, you know. But man, I had an antelope that was so much better than the deer I had that it, I mean, it literally would melt in your mouth. It was so good. And I was like cooking it like so much. I was sad the day that I realized like, Oh man, it's gone. Like we just ate that whole animal, you know? But, um, so I think that, you know, a lot of the antelope thing is just knowing what you're doing, I guess. But, I, I agree. I think it's a huge part of it is just in, in all wild game, like just the handling and there's different ways you can do it and different preferences for sure. But my personal preference and what I found to work best kind of across the board is 
I learned it all. I learned it from elk hunting or just being interested in elk hunting in general. I started to get practice. I started in 2018 quartering stuff in the field and just getting the hide off immediately. Mm -hmm. And, um, which then we did again in 2019 when we started elk hunting. And ever since then, it's like if the opportunity's there to just get that hide off as soon as possible, even if you take the full body out, I still think getting the hide off to me makes a major difference in the taste. Even if you let it hang for, I mean, there's all kinds of different strategies people put into place for like aging meat. It's like, even if you're doing that, I think again, to me getting that hide off, first is is pretty important and had Mm -hmm. i not ever started elk hunting and kind of seen how people do it in the field there i would have never had my eyes open to how much that can change the flavor and like you know there's i'm a firm believer in the definition of gamey is just that it's different than what Mm -hmm. you're used to tasting Mm -hmm. so Mm -hmm. you're used to tasting beef the taste of a white-tailed deer is going to be different and therefore it will get this like gamey definition like that that is gamey and really all that you're tasting is is a different animal you're mm-hmm. you're like tasting you know you got to think about all the strange glands and smells that they have to produce to communicate with each other that type of stuff certainly plays into the flavor of meat and that's going to be different than the, the, the sense that cows have on them, the elk have on them, pronghorn have on them, mule deer, so on and so forth. Even the difference between a wild turkey and a turkey that's in the, you know, is like a farm to turkey. They have a different taste and they have a different type of flavor. A wild turkey is much stronger than something you buy at the store. And I think a lot of that just comes down to, the fact that it's something different, it's actually a different, different animal. And when I, when I knew this to be true is I had, um, I never really ate any of it, I guess. I had lamb recently or like a year and a half ago, probably. And I was like, whoa, like, wasn't mm-hmm. really, like, I'm sure that it's one of those things. Like if I gave it more of an effort and I was consistently eating it, I would like it. But like right out of the gate, it was like, whoa, that animal tastes different. And I wasn't really a fan, which is surprising because I like wild game so much. And I think, but I think that's part of it is I had gotten so mm-hmm. used to mm-hmm. eating those animals, those wild game animals. And then all of a sudden I ate something that wasn't that. And it was like a complete shell shock. I'm like, gamey is what comes to mind. Yeah. <laughs> weird flavor. But all it is is different than what you're used to. Mm-hmm. So, Right. So what's the weirdest? Well, and it, I mean, to you, what's the oddest animal you've ever eaten? Well. I I had beaver one time and I don't trap beaver so it wasn't like my my harvest per se but a buddy of ours does some beaver trapping Jim Riser he makes the music for, mm-hmm. for our videos and um, we were at his place and he had had this beaver and I was like like, whoa, that's a real weird flavor to it. Like a really, really different. Have uh, you ever eaten beaver? Never eaten beaver. I've ne- I haven't either. Cause, I've, I've ate and, a lot of ground. Which is weird because oh, like yeah. we have a reputation in the South for eating literally everything, yeah, you know, yeah. but I've never eaten Yeah, I've, I've eaten groundhog. Groundhog's actually good if you eat, cook it right. Really? Mm-hmm. Ah, yeah. I've always thought Aren't they in the rodent family? 
Yeah, but the the thing about groundhogs, though, think about like how much of the stuff they eat is just like really, really green. Mm-hmm. That's it's, like, true. It, it's like a they're basically eating like you know spinach every day compared That's to the, the yeah. thing about a groundhog is you got to pressure cook it because mm-hmm. it's tough. If you don't, you pressure cook it and rent, and it's actually it's actually pretty good. But now I was I was asking your question a while ago. I want to go back to my original question. I'm going to answer the question for you. My original question, my original question, which animal do you like to hunt better? Well, I'm going to answer that question. And I'm going to tell you why. And once okay. you, once I tell you why, you're going to be like, probably your favorite thing to hunt is turkey. Because if you'll go watch every single turkey that you've killed or anybody that you filmed killed, <laughs> the last, the, the first 20 seconds after that gun goes off, I've heard you say more a thousand times. Gosh, this is my favorite thing. Just that gobble. And just, (laughs) you don't, for some reason to me, you get more excited when you hear a turkey gobble or that gun go off than you do anything you hunt. I think the thing that's crazy about turkey hunting that is so different for me is, and has been consistent throughout my life is like the shortness of days in winter, the cold, you know, you're kind of like, I mean, a lot of days you're just, in the house by, you know, four or five o'clock cause it's getting dark and, you know, it doesn't get daylight till seven, eight o'clock. And, you know, the day gets crunched down and it just gets cold. And then, then you kind of transition out of deer season and then you kind of just tuck away and you get cabin fever. And then all of a sudden when it's spring, it's just like everything's alive and it's just a very unique time of the year to be in the woods. And if you haven't like experienced turkey hunting or you haven't um really taken the time to appreciate the beauty of what spring really is then i think it's you're 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 missing out on that experience in the woods because in the fall everything's dying it's starting to get this more depressing look to it and then when you get that occasional sunny day you're like oh and you really feel good and you value that i i value sunshine a lot it's as Mm -hmm. silly as that may sound it's like it perks me up it makes me feel happy Colorado, it's always sunny. It's like mm-hmm. awesome. But um, you know, springtime though, all of a sudden, and birds are chirping, mm-hmm. stuff's starting to bloom, you know, the sunshine going through like that haze of green, and you get your weird pink color, white color, you know, all the different mm-hmm. flowers start to bloom, and it's just it is from that standpoint a special time in the year of the year to be in the woods and one that I really value. Um, and it would be hard to, it would be hard to give that up and, and keep the other ones just mm-hmm. because it's mm-hmm. really the time of the year as much as anything, mm-hmm. you know, I mm-hmm. think that's a, the, one of the biggest parts of it. And I, you kind of get to that point in the season right now where you're like, okay, kind of got cabin fever and you can get out and you can scout and stuff. And I do love scouting, but then you add that element of, you know, conversation with Turkey and, um, you know, actually pursuing something, you know, pursuing game. Um, that chess match to me is just incredibly fun. And, and I'm, I'm kind of last couple of years I had, I was telling my buddies like last couple of years too, it was funny. I all of a sudden was just like, you know what? There's a lot of things that because we started filming that I like strategy that I've kind of like taken a backseat on like as of like 2019 we're like we got to worry about a tripod and we're going to try to get film set up this, uh, this perfect shot i'm like i'm just going to do a turkey hunt for like myself and just like kind of prove to myself that some of the strategy that i wanted to put into play would be effective 
And I felt like, you know, I had basically was able to confirm a lot of stuff that as far as strategy goes that I wanted to. And now going into this year, I'm really excited about just like focusing on hunting with my friends and just being, you know, being kind of taking a backseat to where it's like, I've been really, really fortunate that I've got to hunt honestly an absurd amount of days for turkeys in my lifetime. Like Mm -hmm. even going back into college, I, I set it up and I, (laughs) <laughs> I set it up where I could turkey hunt Monday, Wednesday, there's you know, seven days a week on Monday, Wednesday, Friday, I could hunt well past noon. Cause my classes didn't start until like, well, I guess I shouldn't say well past noon, but at least until about noon. Cause I had classes that started at like 1230 or 1245. And then on Tuesdays and Thursdays, I didn't have class until, um, like 10 30. So I could still get out and, you know, get a decent hunt in mm-hmm. by eight 30, even be headed back, back to school. So I've been really lucky to hunt so many days. And then, then you take it to Midwest whitetail and then THP. I mean, we're talking last couple of years, I've spent every bit of two months, you know, solid Turkey hunting. So I'm excited now to like kind of help, use some of those experiences to like, you know, hunt with my buddies and, and I've, and I've been always done that. I've definitely always done that, but I kind of want that to going into this season, be the main mm-hmm. focus of like, I'm just excited. Like I got a buddy, Colin, who was with me all of the 2020 season pretty much. And like, you know, he's only killed a handful of turkeys. It's like this season, we're going to make some trips together and I'm really going to try to like help him just get some more confidence and experience. Not that he doesn't have it, but you know, just keep working at that with him. Yeah. I'm excited. Now, about that. Now you talk about hunting too much straight. That's kind of what I wanted to get into next. Everybody wants to, to hunt for a living or fish for a living. I fished a, a few professional tournaments, uh, back in, uh, I've stopped fishing about five years ago, but, uh, people so want, stopped. what's that? You say you stopped fishing? Yeah, I stopped fishing. My son started playing travel baseball. So that's, uh, I've got, I've got a ranger in the garage. He'll go back to it. I've got a ranger in the garage. It's not been cranked in five years, but anyways, everybody wants to, to do this until it's time to do it. It's kind of like everybody wants to do Carhartt stuff until it's time to do Carhartt stuff. (laughs) (laughs) You, You know, tell people how physically demanding and exhausted it is when you hunt 60, 60 days a year in Turkey season. I mean, it's, it's made me change my lifestyle completely. Honestly, like five years ago I was out of college and I was getting back into work. I mean, what, I guess five years ago, six, probably six or seven years ago. Yeah. Six or seven years ago, I was like, getting out of college i was like kind of getting back into working out i I was i was still kind of like transitioning out of that like oh we're in college party mode to like like holy cow i'm hunting a bunch of days in a row and some really strenuous stuff and i kind of just like as time went on realized that i could make life a lot easier on myself if i just kind of changed my whole you know outlook on like fitness and what I'm eating and, you know, I quit, I, I quit drinking, like just like changed a whole bunch of things. And not to say that there's anything 
anything wrong with that a different lifestyle it's just like what i've chose to do and i mean i mean i say that and like all my i'm still around that scene i just choose to you know kind of focus on what can make me be able to have the stamina throughout the season because mm-hmm. if i did all those things that i used to do i would never ever i remember being so tired in 2018 you know like our first year really traveling to turkey on our first year really traveling to deer hunt on day you know five six seven mentally just wrecked and since then when i made these changes it's like gotten so much easier to just have that stamina mentally physically um and they those play hand in hand you start getting tired physically mentally you start to lack and that that to me has really um changed changed um our abilities i guess and i kind of all of us as a whole are just like you know really focusing on you know just taking care of ourselves on the off season and i think um it definitely shows um it, it shows at least for us, you know, f- like physically, mentally. Right. And then, um, you know, as a whole though, doing that stuff, it's like, you got to really, really, really love it because it's going to take a toll on every other aspect of your life. Like mm-hmm. relationships are hard when you're out on the road hunting for eight months out of the year. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, my, I was with, um, uh, family this past weekend when I was about to come back here, they're still in Ohio there. And we were talking, I was like, how many months are you in Colorado? Like seven, eight. And I was like, no, I actually reverse that. It's more like four and mm-hmm. eight months out on the road, mm-hmm. give or take. Obviously there's some weekends I'll fly back or drive back or whatever, but it's like, you know, doing that, you got to love it in a way that's like, maybe even more than you think that you love it. I suppose like you may love it, but it's like, you got to love it in such a deeper way than just like, man, I love hunting. Like, I don't, I don't even really know that there's a great way to explain it other Mm -hmm. than you're willing to just drop everything else in your life. And I think that that's the one thing that I'm not, I'm not saying like we need to focus more attention on it by any means, but I think that's one thing that people easily overlook when they look at our lifestyle is like Mm -hmm. they're living the dream. And like, I think, Yes, for me, I definitely am living the dream, like 100% am living the dream, but I don't necessarily think it's as much of a common dream (laughs) as maybe some people think as far as like, don't actually know how many people really would want to do what we're doing. Right. Because it's like, I mean, you can't have like a life other than that. Mm -hmm. And it's just 100% true. If I'm not out there, I'm editing. Mm -hmm. If I'm not out there i'm recording podcasts or being a guest on you know whatever it's like i'm doing this stuff 100 percent of the time when i'm sitting at, in bed at night i'm map scouting for the next place i mean i've been pinning stuff for where we're starting turkey tour where we're going you know three weeks into the turkey tour i mean that's stuff that like is just so time consuming that you almost have to i say it to people when people are like trying to get into it i basically say you have to love it more than you love your mom. Like, <laughs> I mean, you know what I mean? It's I hope like, she's not listening. No, nah, I mean, I think, she, I think that I honestly think that she, I think that she has, has definitely sees what I'm talking about. Well, it's not that yeah. I don't love my mom, you know, I'm not oh, saying yeah, that it's yeah. like, it's more like, 
it's more like you've got to ha- be willing to like sacrifice like everything, yeah, yeah. everything, mm-hmm. everything. And I think, yep. I think that's what it's like, you know, to kind of like see that behind the scenes type of thing and be, you know, calling my girlfriend and being like, Hey, you know, like, uh, it's still going to be like two weeks. Cause like <laughs> we're still doing this, you know? And she's like, okay. And I mean, there's, obviously like there's a lot of understanding too from my family and my friends and everything. Like there's a lot of support there, but it's still um, definitely weird and like an aspect of it that. Yeah. I I mean, there's people that that don't realize, you know, when, when y'all are hunting, you're not just carrying a gun around and, and trying to call Turkey or carrying a bow around trying to shoot a deer. You've got cameras, you've got tripods, you've got mirrorless cameras on slung around your side. I mean, Leslie and I, we've, we bought, we bought us a filming outfit last year, basically the same Sony cameras y'all are running. But, uh, mm-hmm. uh, when you're carrying that around with a, you know, six or eight pound tripod, you know, you've got uh ghillie or 3d leafy stuff, whatever you want to cover everything. I mean, it is a chore just getting in, getting set up on a Turkey. Right. Oh, yeah. And, and, and it's not just as easy as, you know, throwing a diaphragm in your mouth and a slate in your pocket and hitting the, and hitting the, I I've noticed that, uh, and I noticed that you also did, you bought the night and hell, uh, vest, um, yeah. that you're wearing. That's, that's, I told her I bought one last year and I said, this is the vest I want because if I'm going to be carrying this camera and everything, I don't want a bunch of garb hanging off. Me. Yeah. Just like minim- minimization. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, that's, that's exactly. I mean, if I could go in the woods naked with a tripod, I, you know, that's me, <laughs> yeah, me too. <laughs> Let's get it. Me too. But uh, so 60 days of turkey season, I keep going back to turkey season because we're kind of our podcast is seasonal. You know, this time of year, we're all on turkeys and we're yep. huge upland hunters. We got bird dogs. We go out west all the time bird hunting and we love the pheasant and quail hunt, but they go up north in the Northwoods grouse hunting. But um, right now it's turkey season. When you start on that day one of 60 of turkey season, you know how you're just so pumped up mentally, you're sharp, you're focused, you're ready to go. How far along in the, in the season do you get before you realize, whoa, man, I'm tired, wore out and mentally exhausted. To be honest, I'll straight up probably forever have this day on the drive home from every hunting season where I have a little tear shed where I'm just so sad that it's over in in a way like sad, but also like, proud of you know the experiences that we were able to um enjoy and and you know think about all the fun memories that i've created with my friends and like so i guess from the physical like physically feeling tired and having that day like i don't know that there ever is the day where it's like too much there's occasionally times where it's like okay i need to take a nap or i need to sleep in maybe tomorrow or if there's even a chance of rain let's just pretend like it is raining and just sleep in (laughs) you know but like there's a certain level in that but quickly i feel pretty quick to just jump back in and i think of it i think for me it's it's easy to do that because i always just think man who knows really how many days anybody has to participate Mm -hmm. in it so any chance i get it's like I want to try to make sure I maximize this time. And I'll, I'll actually go through these weird like f- phases where I like start freaking out. Like, am I, am I doing enough? Like, should I be doing more? Am I going to run out of time? You know? And like, it's silly, you know, maybe it's silly. Maybe it's not. I mean, who knows really? But, um, I think the main focus is always just 
try to get as many experiences as possible in a season mm-hmm. because I don't know, you know, you never know what could happen. And I, mm-hmm. I feel really lucky that I've been able to do everything that I have so far. And like, I just hope that, you know, one way or another, we can always find a way to make THP work enough to where we get to keep doing this. You know, mm-hmm. it's like, it really is like a dream come true. And I can't even begin to explain how fortunate mm-hmm. I feel and just like, just so lucky. I mean, I thought about doing this stuff ever since I was a little kid, you know, and then I remember going through high school and college and just being like frustrated at not knowing, like not having this end goal, not Mm -hmm. knowing like what career path I was going to take and just being frustrated and just like, like telling my parents like real upset, like, man, all I want to do is just like go hunting and make YouTube videos about it. (laughs) At the time it seemed so crazy, but here we are like, you know, quite a ways down the road doing it and it's mm-hmm. it's it's uh yeah i guess i guess it doesn't ever really hit that point where i'm tired of it i say i just get physically tired and have to sleep in every once in a while but usually it's like a day maybe two and you kind of reset your whole regenerate yeah yeah it's in and it's important to take those days and one thing that i haven't done a good job of in the past is like taking a couple days of break. So what this year I'm doing, um, is I'm like lining out times ahead of, ahead of season. I've already got two trips planned to like come back home, just take, catch a flight, come home for a weekend, hang out with my girlfriend and just break from it completely versus mm-hmm. hunt for seven days, edit for two, you know, or three, four, whatever, and then hunt for seven days and just like never take that two or three day break. Mm-hmm. just kind of incorporate that in a little bit knowing mm-hmm. that at the end of the day like you know that's also important and something that i want to do too but i'm, a, I'm i am personally this character and i would say a lot of my friends would back me up when i say like i become very obsessed um i mean, i think this is one thing maybe about me that um you can't necessarily tell from videos maybe you can maybe you can't but like I'm very addictive, like obsessed. It's like part of the reason I quit drinking, you know, it's like certain things I start doing them and then I just do them full go, you know, and it's like I get into hunting season and I can't stop hunting. Mm -hmm. Like I can't break. If I break, it's like I give up and I'm Mm -hmm. trying to do a better job of just like balancing life a little bit Mm -hmm. because I'll start going. I mean, to the point where like, you can't even get a hold of me. Like you can't mm-hmm. call me. Like I'm not going to answer. I'm hunting. Like yep. I've mm-hmm. lost in the hunt and I'll do the same thing with editing. I'll do the same thing with working out. I'll do the same thing with like pretty much anything that I'm into mm-hmm. at the time. I've a very addictive so- personality. Yeah. Oh, totally. Yep. Like yeah. to the point where it's like, it's kind of hilarious from the outside. <laughs> like, What is it? Like how, how could you become so obsessed with this like one thing, but it, it's very consistent in my life. And, um, yeah, it's just interesting. <laughs> now, now one thing that does help y'all out on the road is your interns, of course. Oh uh, yeah. You started as an intern. Ward was an intern. You know, everybody, you know, most of y'all, like you said, without Greg, everybody started as interns. So, you know, interns, you know, I've never been an intern, but they start at the bottom of the pole, just like everybody else. They get to carry the camera gear. They get to film, they get to do all this. So we know that's a big help. Um, 
all of y'all's interns seem like they are so excited to be with y'all. Um, I, I've never had one of y'all or seen one of y'all's interns that in any video that looked like they didn't want to be there. Um, mm-hmm. I know that y'all, y'all used to take what two interns a year, correct? Mm-hmm. Yeah. One or two. Yeah. And so if we've got listeners out here, um, that would like to become interns, tell them a little bit, describe a little bit about what they need to do and how they can go about being an intern and how you select your interns. It's a great question. I think at the end of the day, there's no real like qualifications that you have to get, but you know, the more you try to teach yourself, the more that it's easy for us to tell like, Hey, this person is willing to learn. Like if you're teaching yourself about filming and editing, then we recognize that. Mm-hmm. Not to say again, that you have to have that experience either. Cause some of the best interns that I remember being around were people that didn't know how, where the power button was on a camera when they got there. <laughs> um, like a good friend of ours, Sean Perendorf, like I remember like physically showing him how to like click the camera on, you know, which is crazy when you think about it. But now his full-time job is filming and editing videos. It's like, was it, what was it, doing? was it Ben or Jacob that didn't, had never put up a tent? <laughs> it was uh, it was, that was Roy. Roy. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, we, uh, we had a good laugh about that afterwards. And when he asked me, when he, when he told me, I like tried not to just like, I like kept my cool. And <laughs> but then afterwards, like I give him a bunch of crap for it, but yeah, going, going in or, you know, and yeah, he's like, Hey man, I've actually never put up a tent before. I remember having to be like, <laughs> w- like restrained from just being like, are you kidding me? Like you know, how many times, how many hundreds, thousands of times have I put up a tent since I was a little kid, you know, but yeah, but you know, back to like their excitement in it. Um, I think, I think the biggest thing is, is you got to love it. Like I said, like that's the number one thing that I say to people that are applying or um, thinking about getting into the outdoor industry in general. It's like, you got to really, really love, you got to almost love to be uncomfortable too and, and learn mm-hmm. new things and be in situations that maybe aren't the most comfortable, but you know, you're going to grow from them. You know, we all have these times and things that we don't want to do, but like at the end of the day, when you're done with it, it's like you, you grew from that experience in one way or another. And, um, I think that everybody that's been an intern has just genuinely loved being hunting, you know, like Mm -hmm. being out there and that's, that's the number one thing. But again, it's like a different level even than what maybe it looks like from the outside. Like it's just so, it's such a unique experience and I think that, you know, being on the road is, is the unique experience. Like being comfortable with that, being comfortable with maybe the fact that like our campsite isn't going to have cell phone service in it. You know, maybe you get cell phone service when you walk to the top of the mountain in the morning, but you know, even then like talking like multiple hunts a year, we go on where we don't have any cell phone service or you got no way to communicate or, um, you know, you're just out on the road hunting. You're not with your girlfriend for, you know, you're not going to be able to call even like, there's just so many things that like, I think mentally going into it, if you are okay with that and you can handle that and, and the people around you can handle that too, because mm-hmm. no matter if you can or not being able to like, you know, explain to somebody else. I mean, even if that's your parents that like, Hey, 
it's going to be pretty weird for me here for a while. I might not, I might, I may choose not to come home at Thanksgiving, you know, because we're going to go hunting or something or we mm-hmm. get a different opportunity. It's like, that's, that's important, I think, as much as anything. Um, and also just like, if you can, if you can deal with our sense of humor, like that's another thing or not deal, but like, if you enjoy it, you know, cause it's going to get pretty, like pretty ridiculous out there. You get me, me and Jake in the same tent and, you know, stuff starts getting pretty, pretty goofy. It's like, <laughs> just like goofing off, like walk, like anytime, I don't know, anytime we're in public, just being like super goofy and joking around constantly, but I always having fun. And, you know, that's what's fun to us may not always be fun to everybody else. And sometimes grinding it out for, you know, seven days hunting in the rain or something isn't fun for everybody, but we love every aspect of it. And I think if you love every aspect of it and you are mentally prepared for that and um, just know like too, that there's so much into, I think creating hunting content that takes a creative personality as well. Mm -hmm. You know, just having a vision of like new stuff to do and bringing new stuff to the table from that standpoint, like it's not going to just like, not to say it's limited to one or the other, but it's like, it's like, it's not just always looking for somebody that's tough. It's like somebody that's tough. It's creative. That's, you know, able to be excited about it. It's just like, there's so many aspects that go into it. And, um, but it's also cool because everybody's got a little bit different personality. Everybody, every intern brings a little bit different perspective and, um, you know, new ideas to the group. And I just think it's, I, I do think it's super cool. Super yeah. fun. We so, should make Redbone our intern. That's what we got a buddy that <laughs> he's like, everybody around here knows Redbone. And he's got <laughs> one gear and it's bulldog, but everybody loves Redbone. And so Redbone turkey hunts with us a lot. And uh, yeah, that, we need to make Redbone carry a tripod. And, but see, <laughs> I don't but think see Redbone, Redbone would, wouldn't be good on camera because there, he doesn't really show facial expressions ever. He's just kind of like, yeah, all the, that time. all the time. And I don't know about him on the podcast either because it takes him like 20 minutes to respond to anything you say. Yeah. It's like, hey, Redbone, you blah, 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 blah. And he's like, he'll look around and think and <laughs> then he'll talk to you like that. <laughs> but he's, he's, but he's, he's a hunt one fool. of a kind. So if, if I want to become an intern with uh, the hunting public, what do I need to do? How do I need to go about doing that? We have an application process going on right now where basically like any job you would send in a resume and a cover letter. Um, and you know, if it's something that you're like, oh, maybe I'm not ready for it right now, I would say the best thing that you can do is just get a bunch of experience filming your buddies, man. Like pick some buddies, like self filming is cool. At the end of the day, if you end up with like a cool product, it's still cool. But like when you're filming with your buddies, that's I think when you really get, to be creative and you get to put a unique spin on things. And it's just really hard to kind of go hunting and film yourself at the Mm -hmm. same time. Like to the point where like, I just kind of do my best to not ever have to do that. Mm -hmm. Um, just because it is so, so much harder and it doesn't really express the full, um, experience, I guess, as much as when you're hunting with a buddy. And I think Mm -hmm. just like being willing to, sacrifice your and and some people see it this way and like it's no matter you know i'm never going to change everybody's way of seeing it but if like you enjoy filming 
then the best thing, in my opinion, opinion you can do is hunt with friends because mm-hmm. you're going to sacrifice. And again, I guess that's what I'm getting at when I say people, some people view it that way and sacrifice your hunting time, but mm-hmm. you only sacrifice your hunting time. If you view it as that, because mm-hmm. I don't sacrifice my hunting time as, or, or I guess when I film, I don't consider myself sacrificing my time. That's still right. my time hunting. Mm-hmm. I'm just not playing the same shooter role. I'm right. shooting in a different way. I'm still as much a part of that hunt as ever. Um, mm-hmm. Because, you know, without without one of the two pieces, you don't get, you don't get any of it. Yep. You know, mm-hmm. you have a hunter, you know, that's great, but you don't get that same full experience versus when you have somebody with you. I mean, they're doing the same stuff you are. Yeah, and, and to me, to me, a lot of times is the camaraderie is what makes the the show. Well, oh I mean, my I, gosh. I really wouldn't. I wouldn't choose. Like, there's certain times in hunting. Like, I I just had a really unique experience, and this this would be kind of a funny perspective, or I, I, to hear my perspective on it. I guess I just shot the first deer that I've shot alone like i was with a group but i had just i was a driver for a muzzleloader hunt and we've got together and hunted as a group i don't know if you guys have seen these videos or not but oh yeah mm-hmm. the muzzleloader series yep, yep, yep. so that's my favorite hunt of the year mm-hmm. and i've been talking about a lot how i want to be a driver on one of these hunts because i really i really feel like if i could be a driver that's kind of like that's kind of my niche is moving through the woods trying mm-hmm. to hunt deer on the move put a muzzleloader in your hands and you know, it, it, it makes for even better opportunity. So I've been excited about doing that. And I was basically trying to drive deer to my buddies. Good old Ohio gun season. Yeah. <laughs> and I popped up on the, on the ridge and I spotted a buck making a rub and he was with a bachelor group and I shot, I shot the biggest out of the group and I got done with that. And I'm like, this is the first time I've shot a deer alone. But I couldn't turn around and high five my buddy since I was 17 years old. Wow. Wow. Uh-huh. And wow. I'm 29 years, 29 years old now. So, what, 12, 12 years? Big yeah. deal. Yeah. And then that crazy to think about? Like, wow. so I wouldn't change it for the world. I still valued that time. And, like, it was special for me to be able to run that ridge by myself and just do my own thing and, like, not have to worry about, like, how fast I'm going or, like, I know my breath. You know, I know where mm-hmm. I've got control, and there's a lot to that when you're mo- mobile hunting. Like, oh yeah, like really, really mobile hunting is like mm-hmm. if your breath's too high, you, you can't. I mean, you're not gonna be able to shoot. You're not gonna be able to like take as good. Of, so like, I can just run at my own pace, make my decision on the fly, and I really valued that. But I don't think I could ever go full time hunting alone again. Like, yeah. I, oh, I know I couldn't. Like to me, even if I was not doing this you know, as a job, I would still go hunting with my buddies because to me always has been the most fun thing is to hunt with my friends. Like wouldn't change it for the world. And I I think that's kind of like something that I've really been thinking about, especially with editing these videos lately that I've been editing. So I've edited, um, just really recently stuff from like South Dakota, um, Ohio, um, and then turkey season last year in Ohio, then Wyoming. It's just, just the, the list goes on and on. But when I look at all those, I'm like, man, um, I just feel really lucky that I'm able to hunt with my friends so much. Mm-hmm. And I really want to continue to focus on that because to me, that's what's going to 
as of right now, it's super fun and I see no no reason that I would ever get burnt out on it. Mm-hmm. But if there was ever a time you'd get burnt out is if you weren't going with your buddies anymore. Yeah. Yep. It's like yep. as long as I focus on that, I'm never gonna get burnt out. You know, there's just, there's you know. always a laugh and never a dull yeah. moment. And that's yeah, exactly. that's what makes that's what makes like when we go out west on our trips, bird hunting or up north, I always got people going with us just because I mean it's that's part of the hunt, you know. That's part of the experience, I guess you would say, not just the hunt. You know, we we actually give uh patron we give uh we're on patreon and we give hunts away to our patrons and take our patrons with us and i'm telling you strike up great relationships friendships and like i said it's it's always it's, the last it was weird to like have for the first time have two random people well not really random i mean we had talked to them but you never met them before you right, know in right. person and have them come like do something with you for days where you're spending that much time together and everything at first to me, nothing's ever awkward with him. This guy, like he can't go anywhere without making a friend, but like, (laughs) and I'm very outgoing, but I kind of at first am a little like reserved. And so to me, I was just like, what, you know, what do I say? What do I do? I don't know these people. And then like within 24 hours, like, we're all cracking up, cutting up, like, yeah. you know, talking about each passing other, passing gas, doing it all, you know, together <laughs> and right. uh, snot rockets, you know, whatever. <laughs> and, uh, and then like, you know, you, the relationship ship keeps going. Mm-hmm. And so like these two particular guys that I'm thinking about right now, they, have stayed in touch with us so much personally and like send us things and we talk to them. And like, you were just talking to one guy like yesterday, mm-hmm. I think. And I mean, like we would never probably have like made friends with these people because they're like lifestyle and everything other than hunting is so different from us, mm-hmm. you know? And, but hunting is the common thread. And then wow. like we did this thing together and, and to me, it's just so cool because like you learn so much from each other and like your eyes are open to like different things because you're around different people. And I don't know. It's, it's the hunting. It's the hunting's a common thread we've all got. And I, I tell everybody, or I always tell everybody, I said, no matter if they're a complete stranger, you don't know them. They're a different race, ethnicity, whatever. <laughs> if you've got hunting in common in 20, 30 minutes together, it'll seem like you've known each other forever. And so, yeah, it's, it's, it's awesome. I love the hunting community. I love the hunting public, uh, Zach Farrenbaugh, who we got on here today. Of course, you've been listening to the podcast, but the camaraderie between the hunting public guys is just amazing. They're funny. They're, they're real. I mean, to me, I know that, you know, Will Primos named his show, the truth, you know, this is the modern day, the (laughs) truth. It's like, it's like everything they do. There's no, there's nothing staged. There's no, um, nar- you know, it's not pre-narrated, I guess you would say, or, or you know, set up. It's you all go to public land, you you hunt, you know, big game, mostly big game animals in, on hunt land anybody can hunt on. The thing that, you know, makes you different than a lot of people is you have brought super new or not really new techniques, but, well, you have brought new techniques. I mean, who... Of course, there's a lot of us that's crawled on turkeys, but I mean, when when I see you guys crawling on turkeys in these open fields, or you know, you're you're in these bed and thickets where you know 
through history, everybody's like, oh, don't go in the deer's bed and ticket. You know, you'll run him out. He won't come back for a month. And then you see, and then you see Zach crawling through the dang bed and ticket with his gun and he like he's in prong position and, and, and Jake back here grabbing his shoestrings, hollering, whoa, he's five yards from us. You know, it, it's just a new perspective on hunting. Everybody that watches the THP loves it. And before we go out of here, I mean, we've been on here. This is our longest podcast yet. We usually do about 45 <laughs> minutes. So we're at an hour and 17 still rolling before we leave Zach. I want to, uh, first of all, I want to thank you for coming on today, mm-hmm. but I want you to take us out with what is the first thing that comes to your mind when I say, what is the funniest moment on THP? Oh, geez. Well, first off, I'll say thanks for having me. It's been a blast. Um, really enjoyed the conversation. And what I think of the funniest moment, oh man, there's so many. I think I think one of the craziest things that like always pops into my mind and is like such a shell shocking moment was when Grant jumped the fence a couple years ago. <laughs> Did you guys ever see that? <laughs> like to me, that's like like it's funny and it's almost funny because it's like when Grant tried to jump the fence. Yeah, as I say, it's like, it really, it's it's really close to being really not funny because he totally could have broke a bone or his, or his dang neck for that matter. Mm-hmm. But like, that is one of those ones that I've watched that every time it cracks me up. Um, another <laughs> funny one that happened was Jake a couple of years ago. I know, I know I'm, you can't give me a question and not have it be long-winded as you guys can tell at this point. <laughs> Jake had this one a couple of years ago where we had, the night before drove the truck out on this ice and we we're like, Oh, it's totally good. Like not, not like a full truck, like making circles out on it, but like put our front tires out on the edge of the ice and like held us just completely fine. And it had been insanely cold, you know, well under 20 every night for weeks. And, uh, that was going to be our access route into this particular piece that we were going to hunt. It was the opening day of gun season in Iowa. And, um, we started sneaking in on the ice and we're kind of going in and Jake forgot something. So he goes running back to the vehicles and he comes running back on the ice and he's running, running, running and Ted's filming him. And he just goes right through that ice, right up to like his waist. And then the dude toughed it out and didn't even go home and change his clothes. Oh it was my like gosh. 15 degrees. My, I remember <laughs> my hair was freezing and Jake was completely soaked up to the waist and still hunted through it. Like crazy. Oh wow. That's wow. a character that's born and raised in Wisconsin right there. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> no joke. Well, listen, Zach, we have had a ball and um, I wish we could, like I could talk for days to, you know, it's oh, like every too. podcast I do, I, do, I can just talk for days, but we're going to wrap it up because uh, people's probably going to fall asleep. I do have a driving job up too, the highway. This is, yeah, a, yeah. we both do actually. Yeah. Me too. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> a bunch of editing I've been putting on. But uh, no, Zach. Um, yeah. Thanks for coming on. We're going to wrap it up. Um, any, anything you want to say before we get off Zach? No, just thanks for having me. And I guess anybody that's uh and just in general, if there's ever anything that you want to do in life, just go go for it. I mean, mm-hmm. it's all really that THP ever was. It's just a vision and, you know, kind of take the risk and, and try it and see if it works and, and ended up doing it. And I think anything that you feel passionate about, you're going to work hard at and you're going to make work. Mm-hmm. I don't think it's a matter really as much of a risk as much as it is just, you know, if you're excited about it and, you know, you want to try something different, want to make a change in your life do it and and i don't think you'll regret it at all 
that's that's great advice. Zach, where can everybody find y'all out on uh, social media and and Facebook and on the internet? Yeah, just uh, well, I guess our website will take you everywhere. Uh, thehuntingpublic.com. Um, and then from there, you know, there's YouTube channel, The Hunting Public, and then Instagram, Facebook. Um, we have our own podcast as well. Um, really, any podcast platform that you may use, mm-hmm. all under The Hunting Public. If you just search it, heck, you could probably just Google search it, find our website, and from there, you can kind of find it all. Yep. These well, days. <laughs> that, that's right. It's all at your fingertips. Zach, it's been good having you on here this weekend. Everybody, we hope you enjoyed this episode of the Wing Addiction Podcast. Until next week, got anything to say, babe? No. God, other than it's not the weekend. That's right. It's not the weekend yet. <laughs> hey, God bless everybody, and we will see you back next week. Well, we won't see you, but you'll get to hear us next week on the next episode. Thank you. Have a great week. Bye.